One quick announcement to let you know where we're going next week. By the way, if you're new, my name is Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm going to introduce a special guest in just a moment. But I want to give you just a quick sneak peek of what we're doing next, uh, starting next week and for the month of December. Next week, we're going to be taking a look for this next month at the things that we long for most in the world right now. And we long for most within ourselves. Things like peace, truth, mercy, and joy. As we see those things we're going to find, those are the very things that Christ came to bring us all along at Christmas. We'll be taking a look. We'll be actually rediscovering the gifts of Christmas. And so there you go. It's going to be a great look this month at things like peace and truth and mercy and joy, things we need in the world and in ourselves right now. I hope you'll join us for that again starting next Sunday. But today I'm excited to introduce to you someone very special. He's a sort of a guest, sort of not a, a guest, Pastor Jim LaFoon, and who's from uh, actually sort of all over the world, California, North Carolina. But he and his wife Kathy live in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. They have seven children. Uh, Jim's part of our global Every Nation spiritual family. He's one of our senior leaders. He travels the world, countries all over. He just came back from 30 days in Europe and Asia. Strengthening churches, encouraging churches, tremendous Bible teacher, tremendous counselor, has a very strong prophetic gift, and you saw that if you were here last night at our night of ministry, man, the waterworks were going, man, people crying and weeping as they heard God's heart for them and God's love for them, and so uh, we're so thankful for Jim, again, he's been coming here, I mean, I've, I first encountered his ministry as a college student, where he called me out of a crowd and spoke to me things only God could know that really helped shape who I am today, so he's been a friend, been a mentor, been a ministry partner to many, many, many people all over the world, including my family. It's our honor to have you today. Would you guys actually please stand on your feet? Come on for our service today and welcome Pastor Jim LaFoon. It's just great to be here today. It's always a privilege to be here with Morgan, Carrie, just, just, just this great team. Um, I've known many of them just decades. Love being here. I love the food in Austin. Thought I'd have a little Rudy's tea. You know, I, I've been traveling over Europe and Asia, and I travel with an abscessed molar. Maybe not the wisest thing. The antibiotics, 30 days, and they just finally decided to cut on that molar Monday. I'll spare you the graphics. Suffice it to say, it took them two hours to rebuild everything. So if you don't like this message, it's my molar's fault. Okay. Um, I do love Rudy's. This is one of the finest places to eat in the world. You can't tell by looking I do like to eat. Am I plump? No, my mama said I'm husky. Okay, all right. Anyway, so much for that. My, I said, Mama, I said, golly, Ma, I said, oh, my daughter's a wife said I'm fat. She says, honey, come and have a cookie. You're husky. You always have been. Thank God for mothers. Okay, all right. Lord, help me. I want, I've, I've really wrestled with this message, humor aside, uh, so much so um, that I have a second one. In case I don't like this one, I'll chuck it and start the second one midway. Um, it's a new message, and I'm going to entitle it Shaken. You ever get shaken up? Building on a fault line in our friendships, marriages, churches, and countries. Why would God have us build relationally around differences, not around commonalities? I'm not just talking about your church. I mean, you know, you have a multi-ethnic church, that's fine. It has all its complexity. How I many? It's just hard to be married sometimes. Like, why? 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 
would the Holy Spirit cause Christians to build friendships, businesses, churches, and marriages around very painful fault lines. Um, my, my life was, 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 all our lives are shaped by things. How many of you know that? I grew up in a, an extraordinary Christian family, um, not because of our wealth. My dad worked three jobs to support us. One was being a pastor in a gang area, which was his primary job. Never made more than $750 a month. So I grew up in a, a very tough gang area in California, in the church at least. Um, we lived a few miles from the church. I guess looking back at it, there was violent fighting and stuff. Maybe that was tough too. But our church was the third alcoholics and drug addicts. Um, Homeless people lived in our church building. We had Hispanics and, and African Americans and white Americans and people that had been lobotomized by the state of California. They'd murdered so many people. Um, Hell's Angels, Gogo Bar Bouncers. And in all that, so I grew up like feeding the poor. Uh, homeless people lived in our building. And my mom and dad are the. F- or with our, my dad's gone on with the Lord now. My mom will be eight of the finest Christians I've ever met and the best marriage I've ever seen and the most generous people. Um, I had a big military tradition in my family. I joined the 82nd Airborne Division with the last class of drafties in California at the end of the Vietnam War. Um, war ended before I went. And so my, my life's been shaped by a lot of things. And so when it comes to my church life, I've really only known multi-ethnic Christianity. It's all I've known. It's like, I can't imagine going to churches with a bunch of people like me. It's not wrong, but it would be like outside my experience, honestly. And, and so I pastored in a very tough area in the South. My co-pastor had been on the way to join the Black Panthers in Oakland, was radically saved. We were friends. They did not like us there, to say the least. And so my drummer was from the Stylistics, if you remember that name, church was 70% African-American. The church I go to is pastored by a very handsome African-American who's one of Morgan's best friends. It's 80% African-American. That's where I go to church. And so our lives are shaped. I'm in a lot of situations around the world that are crazy. I don't know how to tell you this. I, I can't even say some of the places and things I've done and people I've sat with, enemies of our country and dictators and represented America, the kingdom of God in lots of crazy places along just like terrible false lines of pain for centuries. I was in a situation recently in a country far away, and I felt to reach out to the Communist Party. Um, It's a true story. They're radical. Um, No church had ever reached out to them. The whole nation is scared to death, and they're sweeping the country. And so I sent word ahead. I said, I'm going to meet with a communistic party. Their platform is atheist. And uh, they couldn't believe it. And uh, we are also like a little different ethnic look. I'm like kind of plump, pale, of course, very handsome. They're a little darker in complexion. And uh, so they couldn't believe it. They came to meet with me, and it was just almost like a movie. They're all wearing uniforms with berets. I mean, it was wild. Everyone's real scared of them. And um, I was the only kind of pale person in the room. And uh, I walked in and Jesus fell. They wept. They cried like there was just reconciliation. They were crying out to Jesus to heal them and touch them. 
I figured they were secretly not atheists, you know. And so it, <laughs> it was just like wild. He, he sent his family to the head of this party, uh, this whole area of the party, sent his family to hear me preach. One of the party founders came and sent his other. He was in a meeting, sent his wife to another church. Like. And, and they and they looked at the the. The man with me is just extraordinary African, just a really a prince out of his tribal group, is just a real leader of reconciliation in his movement, and said, in our history, this is the only church that's ever reached out to us. I like, man, I... You know, I, I look at things in my life, and I, I look at the, the church, the church I led, which was 70% African-American. I, I look. I wonder how, you know, my dearest friend in that church was African-American. He literally is on the way to the Black Panthers, radical Oakland. Jesus saved him. And all of a sudden, he decides, he says, he says Jim, we're dear friends. I want to go plant a church. I couldn't figure out why. Like, we'd, we'd been building together, you know, all these years. And uh, kind of our oversight team said, well, he's in rebellion, this guy over me. You not mark him. I said, I'm not going to do that. We gave him money. We sent him out. Fifteen years later, he told me one of our mutual best friends who oversaw the church told him, a black man will never, ever pastor this church. So he didn't want to destroy our friendship and just quietly left. How's that happen like? How's a person have integrity where there's such great pain? How do people stay married with such diverse backgrounds? I mean, let's be honest. Homogeneous marriages get slaughtered. Let's just be really honest, beloved. I mean, my goodness. Homogeneous churches split all the time. It's one of the reasons there's so many churches in America. How, 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 do we, God, how are we one? Just forget multi-ethnic church for a minute. How are we one in our marriages, in our friendships? How does God do this? We all know from Hebrews 12, 26 to 29, I won't read it, that everything shakes around us all the time. There's just no doubt. Our country is just crazy right now in many ways. And um, I won't even talk politically. I feel orphaned in many ways. But but I, I tell you, beloved, it's crazy. And so everything's shaking around me. Then we get this promise. How do we receive a kingdom that won't be shaken? Like, how do we do it? Like, how do we not shake on the inside when everything's shaking around us? I remember being smuggled into China in a windowless van. Ended up out in the countryside many years ago with a group of students and professors, one of which had led his group to Tiananmen Square. And I'm, I read thousands of pages before I work in a country. And I said, looking at them, knowing all the pain the Western world it cost them, opium wars, missionaries who negotiated the, the treaties that opened five cities to opium, opened five cities to the gospel, negotiated by missionaries. Like, what right do I have to speak to them? Why should they listen? People that look like me just sowed a lot of bad seed in their country. 
you know you reap what you sow. You know, it's interesting. Western world sowed a lot of opium into China, and a lot of opioids are sown right back into our country. It's funny how history just catches us up, isn't it? Maybe it would help if our country would apologize to their country. Maybe some cycle would be broken, huh? And I stood in front of those brilliant Chinese leaders and spent two hours going over what the Western world had done to them and apologized and broke and there were tears. Like, how do we build? Like, what happens? Like, how do we do this? I mean, what is the fault line? I mean, geographically, a fault line is a break or a fracture in the ground that occurs when the Earth's tectonic plates move or shift. Areas where earthquakes are likely to occur. A break where the Earth's tectonic plane shifted. And what do you know about I grew up in Southern California. Everything shook there all the time. I can remember as a boy in San Diego looking out and the street turned into ocean. You know what the scary place thing about earthquake is? There's no warning. I've lived in hurricane zones. I mean, you get, how many of you get a lot of warning? Oh, hurricane may get you. I've been chased by tornadoes. I've lived in hurricanes. I've been in California fires as a boy when the fires hit the creosote in those bushes and a fireman was trapped and the kids in the neighborhood yanked him out. Is the winds blew. But there's nothing scary like an earthquake. There's just, there's no warning and there's really nowhere to go. And when you live in an earthquake zone, you live under the shadow that everything you built could really be affected by something outside of your control at any moment. And when you build on a relational fault line, it's no different. Because you feel like you're always, in some ways, victimized by forces outside of your control. Socially, we know building on a fault line is a divisive issue or difference of opinion that is likely to have serious consequences. Like, how do you build that? I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. They didn't call it back in those days. I was the sensitivity officer. My roommate, he, he was an African-American from St. Louis. He's one that introduced me to wish sandwiches. Ever heard of that? A wish sandwich is you got mayonnaise or mustard. You wish there's something more. Like... We just roomed together. I mean, I, I know now that God prepared me for where I am today. He, the, the forces in my life were just very different. I've lived in war zones. I've lived in Muslim, Christian, communist wars with people killed in front of my house risking my life. What formed me and shaped me, I've looked in the eyes of people to be considered the enemies of our country, but they're Christians and they're brothers. Looked in the eyes of revival in one of the most feared terrorist groups in the world. Shaped me, mow me like, how is this possible? I remember going in one country to, to see the socialist vice president, Marxist vice president. We were on the way and I was going with a, a black African and a white African. The black African had been the most feared anti-government, they had called him terrorist in the country. He won. I noticed... Wherever we walked, the, the crowd would part just seeing him. He was the most feared man in the country. His best friend was the white man who had hunted him. How did it happen? We went in to see the vice president of this country. He looks, he goes, if you're here, God's real. How's it happen? Like So much pain, hunting, killing, pain. How do I look this guy in the eyes outside a safe house in the Middle East? If I told you the organization, you'd know it. Hiding because they'd already been murdering his family 
turn to Christ filled with love. How's it happened? I'm not joking with you. How's this happen? How do we build relationally on years of pain? My gosh, you say, Jim, what church are you most proud of in the world? Probably the one in Belfast. Ever been to Belfast? 23 miles of 30-foot tall walls with electronic gates that close at every night and every morning because Catholics and Protestants still kill each other. Where what they really worship is the last person killed in that thing. When I went, the first Merritt Hotel was only two years old. Merritt goes everywhere except where you blow up. We have our nation church there, Protestant and Catholic. And people on the extreme edges. I didn't want to mention, by the way, when we have conferences in Europe, they can't visit. How's that happen? How do you, how do you live through a thousand years of killing in history? How do, how do we stay married and be one? I've got 45-year-old friendships. I have friendships, multi-ethnic, multinational friendships, decades. Real ones. How does that happen? Going to church together, that, that's the tip of the iceberg. How? Well, there's a price. And I love where your church is. I just, this just is my favorite thing about your church. The line between Williamson County and Travis County run down your church property. I love it. How I many of those may be a little bit different politically? I love it. Why, why God build his church here? Like, why does God have Christians build marriages and friendships and churches and businesses and help build countries on fault lines? Why? Because in the end, there's something Christ does in us that makes us glue, that makes us like socially geological staples that hold things together like shock absorbers. How do we find this kingdom that can't be shaken in a world that's shaken all the time? One of my great mentors is Ivy Mae McLaurin, her husband, one of the most distinguished African-American professors in America. They're in Dr. King's church. She'd walk on through the Montgomery bus strike. She's one of our church mothers, if you understand what that means. If you're African-American, you do. I always loved her. She's a gifted seamstress and cook. I'd have to let my suit out. She'd go, oh, pastor. She'd go, you've been getting so skinny, I'm worried. My God, with the greens, wings. Oh, my Lord, I love that woman. And she and her husband mentor me every week. The marches, the pain, what it was like to drive 500 miles, not have a restaurant they could eat in. So filled with joy, life. How's that happen like? There's a price. You know, Paul said... Don't let me go too long, Morgan. I might be a little loopy still. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 says, Paul says, according to the grace given me, I'm a skilled master builder. I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Better be careful how you build. And let me tell you right now, if you live in a fault zone, I have. Carrie grew up in Southern California. Let me tell you two little, little things about it. You got to build with a different code. Paul, be careful how you build. 
I've laid the foundation of Jesus. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. It'll be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If your foundation survives, you'll be rewarded. Now, this speaks of the last day. How many of you know the fire comes every day? In what you've built, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your church, in your business, will be tested when the fire of life comes. Will be tested. And if you live in California, if you grew up like that, you build to a different code. You don't play with how you build things. You don't just tack them together. Because you realize how you build. People, people say, in, in California, it is not, will an earthquake come? It's not if, it's when I've lived through them. They're going to come and there's nowhere to hide. Do you understand? There's nowhere to hide from an earthquake, beloved. The only refuge you have is that which you've built. There's no little shelter to run to. There's no getting in your car and driving out of the storm. I get discouraged over America sometimes, and I love my country. My family's fought for my country since the Revolutionary War. But I, this is where God placed me. He says, is your ultimate identity American? No, it's not. It's Christian. I learned that living in a war zone in a country far away. God says, if you, if you live as an American, you'll never reach the world. Best live as a Christian. I stood in front of him cabinet of a president in an Asian country. We're to find Tony restaurant spilled shrimp sauce all over my shirt before I stood up. It's a bad moment. Had all this red chili sauce, all these really powerful men. I go, well, sorry about my shirt. My wife wouldn't like me talking to you this way. They all laughed. I started by apologizing to the fact that America had colonized them, burned their villages. It was a great night. God touched them, sat next to the governor of a Muslim province. But you build to a different code. You, because you build to a different code because you realize what you've built is your refuge. What you've built with Christ. What you've built relation. When the shaking comes, and it's going to come. You go, oh my gosh, it ain't easy having a multi-ethnic church. It's crazy politically. It's always going to be. There's always going to be an aftershock. There's always going to be a pain that comes into your spouse. Gosh, I've almost died. Kathy's almost died. Our kids have almost died. You can't be a Lafoon if you hadn't almost died. Buried brothers, buried, I mean, dad died of a form of Luke Gehrig's disease. There's pain in the world. Something's going to shake up what you've done. Some pain, some difference. And if you don't build to a higher code with the gold of scripture, it will be shaken to pieces. Let me tell you now. How you build is what matters. And if it's not just about codes, it's about constants. Carrie will tell you, we were laughing last night, Morgan's wife, for those of you who might be newer. When you live in an earthquake, you always having to shift things. It's frustrating. Your pictures always get messed up. Now, if you live with a, my wife's a perfectionist, I mean, she'd be messing with pictures every day. You go to bed straight. You feel like you get in a relationship. It's no different. You're always adjusting. And the bigger the difference, the more adjustment is a constant. And you got to be careful what you hang on that wall because it may fall on your head tomorrow. 
You're going to be careful where you put it on, on, this, on the lampstand because it's kind of shake. It'll shake its way off. And if you don't watch it, if you don't keep your eye on it, it'll be splattered on the floor in two weeks. Always shifting. And when God calls a man or a woman or a people, which is my life calling, to build and live on a fault line, to build and live that way, it's constant adjustment. It's constant attention. Why would you live there then? <laughs> well, it's, you, know, I, you know, you live in California, you realize everyone's waiting for you to fall into the water. <laughs> in gym class, we'd all talk about, when are we going to fall into the water? They're still talking about it. Half the world hopes we will. Well, I mean, I, we'd always talk about going fall in the water. There'd be some, California, you're going to fall in the water. I'm like, well, I, well, who knows? Then I get these, these, hear these would-be prophets. They've been saying, California, let's say it. The Lord's going to have a great earthquake. Give me a break. They don't have prophecy. Anybody knows that. <laughs> oh, yeah, thus say it. The Lord's going to have an earthquake. Give me a, you can live here for a while. It's easy to give prophecies about places till you move there. Thus saith the Lord, please don't give us a big earthquake. My kids live next to San Andreas Fault. Howard Fault runs around there too. I got three grandchildren living there. If they're not burning up, it's shaking. Just is. Where, Where do we Get the power to live this way. I'm going to wrap this now. Where? Where do you get the power to be one in your marriage? Where do we get the power to be one in our friendships? Come on. I got 45 of your friendships. How? Why? It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but it's God that arranged the members of the body. That means he puts you where he wants. Oh, this choice thing. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you what choice thing means. God chooses what he wants you to do. I got a lot of choice. Yes, you can obey or disobey. I, I, I believe God hadn't left a lot to my imagination. I believe he chose Kathy for me. I truly do. You say, I don't believe it. I don't care if you believe it or not. I believe it. Now, do I believe my, my relationship with Morgan serious about my relationship with Kathy? No. But it's serious enough. And then God's got this nasty word um, in the Bible called joined. It says in Ephesians 2, 2, talking about building, in whom the whole structure being joined together. Ephesians 4, 16, talking about the body. The body is joined together. That ain't like you join Sam's Club and you think it's great until the next big club with better ribs comes in town. You join that too. That ain't that. Now, this kind of joining is like when you join the army as a young Californian and realize when the drill sergeant hurts your feelings the next day and cusses you real bad, you can't quit unless you want to go to jail. God joins you. God joined me to Kathy. What God has joined, let no man, let no man tear apart. Now, that's different. That's the highest human relational joining. But God joined me. God joined me to my church. It's called Bethel. James Lowe's my pastor. Can I quit? Yeah, if God joins me. Do I have options? Yes, if God sets them. 
I believe God joins me. James can't keep me, but God can. I mean, I've been coming to, I've been coming to this church 25 years. I've never missed in a year. Why? I've come when it's good. I've come when it's bad. I've come when it's in between. It wasn't always this big and thriving. Why? It's because God, what God wanted me to do. He joins you. That's why it says be careful about communion. You best discern the body of Christ right. You best discern what it means for rich and poor and demography and how you treat them. Man, this is a bad, this is a bad verse here. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. For just as in the body has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks. Now, you want to talk about tension? Let's not go there. Jews and Greeks, tough tension. They're already marginalized, persecuted, and hated. My dear friend Ronnie Lewis, who pastored Kings Park for years, his family was wiped out in the Warsaw Ghetto. His great-grandfather, the most prestigious rabbi in Eastern Europe, when one family member survived, his uncle. He grew up being called Christ-hater and Jew-boy. My dad pastored in the very same area he was called that. Pastored a bunch of the same people that called him that. How's that happen? Learned a lot about that Jew-Gentile thing from him. Kathy's half-Jewish for that matter. Jews and Gentiles, slave or free. Oh, slaves and free going to church together in the Roman Empire. How? And they were all made to drink of one spirit. So God says, I get all these hodgepodges together. I get people together relationally that there's no way it can work. And here is the only way it can. How can I stay married? My cabin, I've been married 40 years. Are you all different? Heck yes, we're different. We're male, female. She grew up differently. She grew up affluent in Washington, D.C. I grew up where I grew up. She's missed fine travel. I, don't, I pray God one day she sins. She has great, perfect grammar. She said the only sin she sinned was marrying me. I mean, this is bad. I mean, you know, here we are, 40 years later, still in love, still best friends. How's that happen? And we had, man, we've, had, we've fought disease, cancer, pain, seizures, autoimmune deficiencies. How's that happen? Here's, here's the secret to it all. We're baptized into oneness. That means in Christ, there's a nature change and an identity change. But how do we fuel it? We were made to drink of one spirit. Like, what's this drinking of the spirit thing? Like, what's this mean? Because in understanding that is the secret to oneness in your marriage in your friendships, in raising your kids, in your church. Do differences matter? Yes. But beloved, people with almost no differences don't stay married. Don't stay in the same church. Lose their kids. What's this like drink of the same spirit mean? 
Well, it's not speaking of spirits. It's speaking of the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? You can read this later. I'm going to close with this story in John uh, chapter 4, verses 10 to 15. She's a broken woman. She's a Samaritan. Jews hated Samaritans because a few hundred years before, when they were taken by the Assyrian Empire, which was a pretty brutal empire, they'd been ethnically cleansed, deported, and enslaved. Ten of the tribes disappeared. To this day, it's very hard to ask a person in Israel, what tribe are you from? You said you love Israel. Yes, I also love Palestine. For the son that lived in Palestinian refugee camps, his wife with him, um, I have many, many Palestinian friends. He lived in one of the most dangerous refugee camps in the Middle East. I have another daughter serving in a very interesting place. I've sat with imams. I've sat on the Syrian border eating on the floor, sharing one glass with Syrian refugees. Well, I told a parent, talked to a parent through the fact that ISIS had just tortured their son to death. Yes, care about Palestinians. Care about Israel, too. I thought as a Christian I was supposed to care about everybody last time I looked. I, 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 how do I choose who I care for with Christ's love in me? Do you love Israel? Yes. Do I love Palestinians? Yes. Jesus loved the world last I looked. Sorry. Um, so how do we do this? So this woman's just a mess. She's broken. She's Samaritan. She's been married five times. She's living with a man. She's been exploited. She's been abused. And Jesus just shows up. His disciples have written this segment off, and you never see who you write off, let me tell you. One of the reasons that churches stopped growing and having harvest is basically there's always a harvest in your city. They've just written part of their city off many times. They don't see it, don't understand it. One of the great things about being a multi-ethnic church, there's always a harvest going on somewhere. I love it. Jesus said he had to go that way. And no good Jew was going to go through Samaria. He sits down at Jacob's well. She comes. Woman, give me a drink. I said, man, Jesus, that's rude. You knew she was broken. You got a big word of knowledge. She's a woman. She hates Jews. Well, that was a promise. What he was saying was, by the time I'm done with you, you won't be thirsty. You'll be a drink. And she says, why would you, would you ask me for a drink? He said, honey, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. She says, what do you mean? She said, if you knew who I was and the gift I was given you, she says, well, well, give me this water that I'll never thirst again. He said, if you'll drink the waters I have, I'll create a well on the inside of you and you'll never be thirsty again. Now, I don't have time because we're out of time. When you look in that chapter, the word drink there is synonymous with worship. What is worship? It's spiritual disciplines. Pray, hear the Bible, speak the word, etc. So what Jesus is saying is, if you'll approach me in prayer, if you'll live in worship, if you'll, you know, live in the word and speak the word and confess the word and stay in my presence, that well, why? Because when you were born again, you were reconnected to the Godhead. It's like, I appreciate all these electronic keyboards. If they're not plugged in, they're worthless. Plug them in is fine. Best hit the power switch. When you were born again in the spirit, you were plugged into the Godhead. And every time you worship, every time you pray, every time you read your Bible, every time, the love of God, the peace of God, the grace of God, it flows into you and out of you. You become a well, even if you feel like you're in hell. That's why Jude 20, 21 says, beloved, build yourself up. In the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you keep yourselves in the love of God? 
by staying in the flow of his love and worship and spending time with him. What's the secret to building with differences? God's presence. Why are Kathy and I still in love? Because every morning we spend time with the God of love. How do you deal with adult? We've taken so many children in and helped raise them. I can't count them, beloved. Morgan knows this to be true. We spent years just taking in children and raising them. Some we kept, some got restored with their families. Why would we do that? Well, we couldn't help it. That, that verse really got under my skin where, John, where Jesus looked at John and said, John, that's your mama. Mama, that's your son. And from that day, fourth John took her home. She said, when are you going to start taking people home? So we did. Took a bunch. You drink of that Holy Spirit through worship. You stay connected to God. If you're filled with his love, you can love anybody. If you're not, it's very selective, and it won't last even with those you like. They'll offend you sooner or later. You stay filled with the God of love, you'll forgive anything. (sighs) Building on a fault line is not easy. It's the only life I've known. I wouldn't trade it. Because if we don't, things in our society and culture will tear apart even worse. If Christians aren't, aren't willing to build marriages that'll last, friendships that'll last, churches that'll last, even when it doesn't make sense and people can't figure out how that's together or that happened because they're so different politically or so different ethnically. And, and we all know in the end all the pain, all the legitimate pain in the end. In heaven, we're still a whole bunch of ethnicities. Every tribe, tongue, nation up there in heaven. How's that be? Because God's healed our pain and dealt with our sin. No matter where you find yourself. And what you're trying to build today. By the power of Christ, you can do it. baptizes us into one family through salvation. And that's maintained as we drink of his love and his peace and his grace. If you just need God to help you become one in some relationship in your life, stick your hand up right now. Holy Spirit, help us all over this room. I thank you for this great church. I thank you for these great people. Let your spirit and your presence be on them. Amen. Morgan. Thank you, Corey. About our prayer team forward. Um, as they come, I just want to thank all of you on the prayer team for your ministry. Thank you for being here, for believing with us, for praying for people. It's been an honor to have you here. Hope that word encouraged you to consider, man, how are you building your life? How are you building your family? How are you building your friendships? How are you building your marriage if you're married? The power of Christ and the presence of Christ. Through him, we were all baptized into one family. Amen. 
one family together. And that's who we are at Mosaic. And uh, if, you're, if you're new here, we're so glad you're here. Hope to have you back next week if you're not traveling as we begin our new series looking at the things Christ wants to br- bring us at Christmas, the gifts he's already given us, and how we can rediscover those along the way. Let me pray for you as we, as we close here. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your great love for us, that you baptize us into one family. You made us one people. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And we stand and declare that today. That's true of us. That's true of this church as we sit along our own fault line, in our own place, in our own facility, in our own city, in our own nation. Lord, we thank you for holding, holding us together through oneness. And what we have together is more than what we don't have. We believe you for that today. And I pray this over all of us today, that the Lord would bless us and keep us. The Lord would be gracious to us to make his face shine upon us. He lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. I pray these things in Jesus' name today. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.